0: Welcome to Empower Half an Hour, a mental health podcast that brings first-hand interviews and testimonies to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Empower Half an Hour. My name is Brandon Spatz, and I'm your host. Today, we have Shondale Preston joining us. Shondale works for Goodwill Easter Sales Miami Valley as a caseworker. Welcome to the podcast, Shondale. So let's jump right into it. What is your role and your main responsibilities as a caseworker?
1: Main role and responsibility as a caseworker um, is uh, assisting clients uh, wherever that and whatever uh, aspect needed. Um medical uh non-emergency medical necessity is what uh we, we specialize in um handling when we work with our clients and um as far as from the case management case worker perspective we uh assist clients with everything from um adult daily living skills uh helping with uh employment helping folks get uh housing clothing um assistance with food Assistance with getting um, services through job and family service, uh, furniture if needed for ha- um, if needed for their their uh, living quarters, uh, utility assistance. Pretty much a little bit of everything um, when it comes to uh, case management. We uh, we kind of touch on all aspects of a, a client's life and try to help them in areas that they request uh, need when they and they areas they consider need areas of need for them, and uh, things that they request help with. So really, a wide range of
0: things you assist clients with. What kind of diagnoses do you work with? Is it mainly mental health, or do you work with other disabilities as well?
1: Uh, I would say a wide variety. Mainly, uh, our folks are dual diagnosis, um, which means uh, it could be mental health as well as alcohol and drug addiction or we do have we do uh have services with some uh folks that uh have developmental disabilities as well but mainly it's uh mental health and um alcohol and drug addiction
0: oh wow so so really the same as uh the wide variety and and um and just
1: what meeting them where they're at with uh, with their needs yeah that's, that's important to, try to uh, meet a person where they are we don't try to um, talk over people's heads to make it seem like we're uh, over uh, overly educated and make to try to make a person feel small. Um, I, I train my staff as well as myself to uh, just try to uh, show the human side of things when it comes to working with um, the clientele because folks really need our help that otherwise they wouldn't be working with us or wouldn't uh, request services gotcha yeah that sounds like a
0: really needed part of the the you know the person's life um because they have the clinical side where they they get their other services but filling in the gaps
1: where other services didn't provide yeah that, that's important uh th- those are the things that uh, that don't go that don't get talked about enough I, I don't i don't think it's just having someone to help you with your your daily living things when it comes to uh life skills and, and getting things done um, outside of uh, the clinical part of, you know, medications. You have to have someone to help you with, you know, getting paperwork done if you don't, if you have, if you struggle in that area, uh, paying bills, things like that.
0: I think that's really good that you do that. It can be difficult for clients to get through the daily living parts of life, let alone trying to navigate the mental health care system. So it definitely helps having a caseworker like yourself to
1: help navigate the system and just the day-to-day needs of life. It's difficult, but like I said, we we try to help as much as possible. Um, we don't want to overstep overstep our boundaries. So uh, anytime a person requests uh, services or help with something specifically, we try to make sure that we're there to, um, to help them with that need or point them in a the direction of the proper service to get them the help they need.
0: That's awesome. That's really a good service. Um, Now, when we're looking at um, barriers, uh, what are some of the barriers that you uh, come
1: across when you're trying to coordinate care for your clients? One of the main barriers that that comes into play is attendance. A lot of times, folks will, uh, will meet with us or schedule an appointment, and then when when that appointment time, date and time comes, the the client doesn't show up or won't answer the phone. Um, in a lot of cases, we go out to folks' at homes and uh, try to get things done. People don't, people won't answer the door, things like that. Um, also another barrier that comes up, um, like I mentioned before, the uh the drug addiction part. That's a, that's another barrier uh, for a lot of our clients because, um, if they're in active addiction, um, depending on when we um suppose. When we're supposed to meet with the the, the client, is let, uh, maybe uh, unlikely to get get the client to keep the appointment because they're um, using or or they're off somewhere else trying to uh, figure out the, figure out a way to get some money or something to that effect. So really, just the
0: the getting people to show up and uh, and you know come for the services is is a really um, big barrier. Sounds like.
1: Yeah, um, yes, it, it can be, um, but at the same time, we're here for those folks. Uh, it's it's all, I think it's all about a person really um, taking it serious, taking it serious, and and getting the help that they need. You know, sometimes you you need you know you need help, but at the same time, you may not be ready. But we're here whenever those folks are ready. But we do have uh, clients who are are very consistent in showing up for appointments, um, whether it be with Case management therapists, um, psychiatrists, uh, picking up medications, or even a um, primary care doctor. So it's just all about the individual. It's not. Um, it, it's it's kind of individually based when it when it comes to uh, whether or not a client is going to um, be a willing participant in the program or not. So really
0: just uh, people, uh, all different stages of recovery in terms of, you know, all the way in it and then all the way in active symptoms and and their illness,
1: really. Absolutely. Because it it can be the same way with mental health. A person may not be taking, may not take the medication on a consistent basis. And some days they're fine and other days they're they're not. But if you say if you're consistent with it, you'll have consistent behaviors and and symptoms are less likely to, uh, Give you problems um, on a regular basis. So when we're looking at both ends, the the recovery side
0: and then the non recovery, um, what are the needs like? Uh, do they change as the person gets into recovery, or do they change when the person's
1: you know more in their illness? I think the uh, the needs change as they as they enter into the recovery stages. Um, in the beginning, a lot of the needs are um, just trying to get a person to, um, to get get stable and and uh, get some stability um, in regards to housing, um, getting services back, things like uh, health insurance, um, financial uh, stability, um, clothing, housing. You know, when you when you initially start to work with a client, th- those are going to be like the, uh, the major uh, areas of need. But as it, as you go along, things start to level out, and it, and it starts to become more of a maintenance and a uh, maintaining, um, the, the progress that you've made and, and, you know, then finding ways to, uh, challenge yourself and, and grow as well. Sounds like it can be a very, um,
0: you know, uh, interesting, uh, point of seeing both sides when you, if you have a client for a long time and seeing them grow from that, uh, unstable into the, the recovery side where, you know, they're, they're in that maintenance phase, like you said, um, uh, uh, do you have uh, a lot of clients that you've seen go
1: from one side to the other? And absolutely, I've been doing this um, about ten years now, um, and the last five have been with uh, Goodwill Easter Seal Miami Valley. So, yeah, definitely have seen a lot of growth from a lot of different clients, and um, that's the rewarding part for me is just seeing people uh, go from um, needing. A bunch of help and a bunch of assistance, you know, from every direction to being able to handle things on their on their own, gaining some independence about themselves. Maybe they're not, you know, on the level of uh, the average person walking the street where they handling everything on their own, but gaining some independence for themselves, getting things stable where their finances are being directed the proper way, their housing is in order, they're not getting kicked out, they're not being evicted, they're not homeless. Those things are um, success stories to me. Also, seeing um, some of our folks uh, gain employment um, and carry on through that appointment gainfully and not, you know, losing uh, jobs or, you know, just things like that. Every client is going to be a different uh, win. You know, everything is a different for the, for every individual. Sometimes you may have the individual, like I said, uh, they may be at ground level where they're just struggling and trying to get medication to uh, maintain and, and lessen symptoms. Then other folks are further along in their pro- in the recovery process and they're, you know, they've been stable with their housing for over a year or so. And then they're looking to get part-time employment to try to, uh, try to you know, level, uh, gain some extra money to do, you know, do some leisure activities or things like that. So it's just rewarding all around to see people take steps further to uh, get themselves in a better position.
0: That sounds really rewarding, like you said. I mean, it's it's really, could be really, especially when you see them getting employment, seeing them, you know, staying in housing for a longer period of time rather than getting evicted or, or going, you know, and finding a new place every so often. Yes,
1: yes, because that, that could be a, a barrier as well to um, getting, cons- um, getting consistent services and also a person um, keeping appointments and things like that, because if, you know, some folks... Uh, we we help them get to appointments because we know that it's difficult for them. But if they if they're constantly moving and, and changing their phone numbers, then it's hard harder to keep up with them. But if they you know have some stability and are taking care of things and have the you know the right uh, support around them, then you know things tend to look uh, tend to tend to go better for them. And you see that you you'll see the results in just their everyday behavior and things.
0: So you mentioned um, the how you've gone to people's houses and then you you can take people to appointments. Uh, can you kind of explain that just different, um, you know, like the the width of how the job goes? So in terms of like what
1: you can and cannot do with a client? Sure, sure. Um, as a case manager, what we do is help assist folks with uh, non-emergency medical necessity. Um, that can range from Assisting clients with getting to appointments, uh, getting um, groceries in their homes, picking up medications, or helping the client to remember to uh, get medication refills from the pharmacy—things like that. Also, um, assisting to assisting clients with getting to um, appointments with whether it's primary care doctor, nurse practitioner, or psychiatrist, uh, therapist. Myself, um, some of the things we don't do, we don't um, take you. Uh, you know, to hang out with friends. We don't take folks to, uh, we don't take folks like the family members' homes. If we, if you haven't been, if we didn't pick you up from that, um, resident, we're not going to take you anywhere. We haven't, we're not going to drop you off anywhere we haven't picked you up from. Um, just because you want to, um, a uh, lesson, uh, lessen the risk for, you know, anything bad to go on. And like I said, we do work with cl- uh, clients who, um, having drug addiction, so we don't want to put ourselves in in, uh, danger as well by dropping them off in a drug uh, neighborhood or at a drug spot.
0: Thank you for defining the boundaries of being a caseworker. Now, with providers in the mental health field, there's often a high rate of turnover. What do you think causes the turnover? Do you think that having a high number of clients plays a role with having that high turnover?
1: Absolutely, um, and it varies depending on the the organization. I would say, but uh, here um, at Goodwill, right now our caseloads are about fifty per case manager, um, and I think that's that's reasonable. Um, I would say probably no more than about uh, sixty should be, you know, uh, the mark. But uh, yeah, the 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 turnover is um, can can be caused by a couple of different things. One thing is if you've been at, um, in a, in one position in one place for a certain amount of time, then you're probably going to um top out paid uh wise. So and that may be another reason for you to uh relocate or to seek a, other opportunity in growth um in regards to career. Um other other um things that could uh could be a barrier or could be a reason why folks why a uh, reason for the high turnover is um you know just uh, stress of the job. This is a um, high stress job. You, you're dealing with um folks uh, lives and, and, and different things that they have going on. And sometimes it could be difficult, you know, depending on the issues that that uh your your clients are um, dealing with. Some people have some illnesses that you know that is, is difficult to deal with. You know, some people have some terminal illnesses. You know, things like that to where. Like I said, it's, it's, it's really difficult um, in a sense if you don't have uh, some type of uh, outlet and relief for yourself to um, say, hey, let me kind of uh, decompress and not take this home with me because you have to deal with your own um, life once you uh, get off work and, you know, continue to uh, move forward. But it it's definitely difficult, and those could be some of the reasons for the uh, – the high turnover with with staff, and then, like I said, sometimes folks uh, get burnt out as well. They they just work, 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 work until they um, until they can't uh, stand it anymore, or, or it seems to be so stressful to where they almost need to, you know, take a step back themselves. So there's there's a few different reasons, but um, I always try to remind my staff to take the time to um, take some vacation time. You know, uh, make sure that you don't. Make sure that you don't take work home with you. Turn your phone off once you're uh once you you're done, um, once your day is over with, once your work day is over with, turn the phone off because the phone, is, you're not going to run out of work. There's going to be more folks to work with uh, tomorrow, so just turn the phone off.
0: That's a really good point too because, uh, you know, it's very easy to want to bring work home, you know, and continue on uh, doing that, but. Setting those boundaries with, you know, your, your coworkers and letting them know, you know, that it's not, you know, there's clock out time and it's going to be there
1: tomorrow. That's, that's a really good point. And it comes from a good place. I know that they, I know what they're trying to do is is just do the best for um, the people that they're working with, but at the same time, you don't want to do it to the point to where it it just becomes a stressful um, situation for you. Um, you like I said, once you clock out, let it go, you'll be able to get picked back up tomorrow and, and um, go right back at it again. So I, I always encourage that. And like I said, I encourage my staff to take uh, take the time off when they have it when they have it to do because you need that time to yourself. You need to kind of um, relax a little bit and just kind of think you know, um, let go of, of the everyday work grind. I don't care if it's nothing but just sitting at home you know, watching your favorite TV shows or whatever the case may be. So that's a really good point. Actually,
0: it leads us into our next, uh, point. So self-care is important for birth, um, both the patients and then the, the, um, providers as well. How do you maintain your self-care in such a demanding field?
1: Uh, the biggest thing is for me, um, is meditation. Um, I've been meditation for about, uh, 12 years now. And, um, it's been really helpful to me. It keeps my mind at ease, puts my mind at ease, um, center myself and it, it um it allows me to bring my focus into um whatever it is I'm trying to get accomplished, whether it's for that day or um, if it's a long term goal that I'm working on. Um it kinda gets it kinda helps me to center myself, center my energy and, and, and figure out where I wanna um allocate my time and, and effort for that particular day. Um, Another thing I do, like I uh, mentioned before previously, um, I use my vacation time, whether it's um, doing things with my son, family members, or even just going off and doing things by myself to kind of recharge and get myself ready um, to come back and, and do the best job I can do to help people and help those that I work with.
0: That sounds like a really good schedule and routine that you have implemented to prevent the burnout in such a demanding field. Was there ever a time when you first started that you fell into some bad habits or were you always,
1: uh, strong in the aspect of routine? First start, when I first started out, I was, a uh, one of those folks who, um, I was eager and, and wanted, felt like I could help the world and wanting to help the world. So for me, it was just a lot of, uh, work, work, work. So, I, um, I had a coworker, um, who was really good, um, with me, um, and, and good, um, good to uh even just take the time and say hey man pace yourself that that was key for me just uh, having somebody tell me that because uh like I said I may have been it on the job a few months and I was just going 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 and um like I said this is something that you know people are dealing with real life issues and you're um you're involved in trying to help them figure these things out um it could be difficult because some of the stuff it, it weighs heavy on you and you know you know you and you know that you're gonna be the person that um, that this individual is dependent on to help them make the best decision for their situation so you want to make sure that you um, properly prepare, um, you're rested and, and you're focused on what you're doing so that you can give your best effort and best uh, advice um, to the folks that we work with because they are literally dependent on us to help them so we want to make sure we do our best and that like I said was key for me just hearing somebody say hey pace yourself man Make sure that you you know you're taking time for you and the self-care thing was a real thing and i um i credit uh that to like i said my uh, my at that time was my, a supervisor at as at, at the, uh, the former company i was working for
0: slowing down is a great way to to on um, really you know get back into the profession without letting it take over your life um it, it's such great advice um And then having the self-care regimen as well to really add into and have the
1: whole picture. I encourage self-care for our clients, just, you know, whatever it is that you, uh, that you like to do, take, take you some time to do that for yourself. You know, uh, it's important for everyone to do, um, to get involved in self-care and making sure that, you know, they're well, they're feeling good about what they're doing and and the things that they're involved in and and wanting to do for themselves. So really just promoting it
0: to the, the patients as well and um, and then making sure that um, if they're not filling it for the appointment, what, what, is, um, what do you usually do for that if they're having a really hard day where they can't come into their appointment?
1: Do you recommend self-care or... Um, first, I would do is kind of probe to find out um, what's, what's causing the difficulties if the person wants to talk about it. Um, other times, I... Uh... If the individual calls me ahead of time um, prior to their appointment and say, "Hey, I'm not going to make it in today," and or they're not feeling good for whatever reason, I always ask, "Is it something they need to do? Uh, do they need to uh, seek medical attention in any way?" And if that's not the case, then I will just uh, advise, "Hey, man, just uh, go ahead and take the day, relax. Let's get you rescheduled, and then we'll, um, you know, pick up from there." But it's really not. We don't try to press people too much about. Um, missing appointments unless you're just constantly missing appointments and constantly trying to reschedule them. We, we kind of uh, have like a disciplinary um, process that we, that folks go through in order to get, you know, in order for us to get to the point of uh, saying, Hey, maybe this is not the best fit for you in regards to getting your mental health services, things like that. But like I said, that's a pretty lengthy process and usually it doesn't get to that point for a lot of folks. So the initial step
0: of really checking to see if your client is uh suicidal or a risk to themselves or others and then if they are not, um, and then just promoting the self care before their next appointment is scheduled.
1: Yeah, yeah. We as I just want to make sure that uh make wanna make sure that when a person is missing an appointment, um, everything is okay. It's not because of having some type of mental breakdown or uh, they've relapsed and things have gotten bad for them to the point to where you know they're having some type of suicidal ideations or thoughts, or you know even so, even in a place where they're you know to the point of harming themselves. So we want to make sure we everybody's okay um, that we that we're working with and that you know if if that's if that's not the case then we can um, get them some help. That's great that you can do that. What made you want to become a caseworker? Um, actually, seeing the mental health play out in my in my family. Um, I grew up, uh, what, and I had, grew up in a, a pretty nice sized family. Uh, my mother was the youngest of eight. Um, and so seeing my my aunt and uncle, her siblings, two of her siblings, battle it, battle mental health, schizophrenia specifically. Um, um, throughout my childhood, kind of push me in this direction because it was always my thought of, Hey, nah, man, my aunt and uncle are are fine at certain times. And then other times it's like, they're just uncontrollable, uh, violence and, and, um, like just random, uh, rants and outbursts for no reasons. So that was kind of, you know, what made me want to look into, um, and, and push me into this field. And, uh, Want to do the best I can to help people um, that, you know, battle the same things and some of the same issues that my family members battle. I think that's a fantastic thing, uh, you know,
0: using your, um, you know, experience with your family um, that have suffered from probably some of the same uh, illnesses as your clients do. Uh, and then that really gives you the, um, benefit of knowing and understanding on a, a deeper lover level than um, yeah someone that just goes in for yeah without any prior experience,
1: which is awesome. Like I said, uh, the biggest thing is just to help people. Um, whatever the request is, try to make sure um, within reason that we can do um, that we can fulfill the request um, of our clients when it, when it comes to helping with the mental health. And um, just you know, pointing them in the direction, of getting services or or the things that they need to uh, help their lives maintain uh, just the stability and uh, you know pushing forward and keeping keeping people medication compliant uh, and you know sound mind and body. Would you say that non medicine compliance is a big problem that you come across with
0: your clients?
1: A good percentage of our clients um, struggle with that in the beginning some folks get better with uh with medication adherence as they go along in the process um usually i notice that a lot of the times the biggest uh the biggest group i would say that that has the biggest that's the the most trouble with medication compliance is uh the younger people from i would say like ages 18 to about 35 that's like where, where it's, it's more like the uh, the people don't want to uh, have that stigma, or don't want to take medication because of the different labels that they come along with, it and things like that. Or different people have said different things to them about taking medicine or doing or being involved in uh, mental health services. That makes sense.
0: It really does, and and it's it could be a real barrier um, when it comes to to providing services to if you have someone that's unstable and especially with um, mental uh, illness coming out in uh, you know, the, the early 20s. Um, for some people, it could really be uh, new to them and then not really uh, sure if they're ready to you know, commit to the, the medication.
1: So I could definitely see that. Biggest thing is we, we don't force anything on anybody. We try to let them know that, hey, because of what your diagnosis is, this is the um, steps and the things that we think may um, help you get gain some stability and, and, and to help you lessen the symptoms that you're having. Nobody tries to force nobody forces um, any medication on any clients or anything like that. And I think that's the best approach anyway because uh, a person is even less likely to take something if you're forcing them to do it anyway.
0: That's a really good point when it comes to medication. There's a lot of moving parts involved, but being forced into being medicine-compliant when you're not ready can be very traumatizing and often unproductive. So your role is to help guide your clients through life but not make those decisions for them. That way they still can make the mistakes but learn from them as well.
1: Well, what we do is, um, for example, with, with uh, the medication um we kind of present the pros and cons of taking the medication as and and not taking the medication and then let the person kinda of decide for themselves what they feel is best for them. But also reminding them of the consequences that could exist if they don't um, you know, take the medication or um things like that. Because one thing that this uh holds true is you've already a person's already been presenting with those those symptoms prior to uh, coming in to see us or meet with us, you're going to walk out of here with those same symptoms. If you take the medication, there's a chance it could help you. Yeah. So we we always uh just kind of give them an the option, but also give them the pros and cons of you know taking the medication as opposed to not taking it. Everything doesn't involve medication. Um, some mental health disorders and some things that a person is uh, battling through um, it could just be something as sem- um something as simple as uh, meeting with therapists. And and getting the tools and coping skills to you know to be able to push through some difficult times, but uh, we don't we don't know when this comes up. We don't have a um, a clock or know when who this is going to happen to. We just got to be open to getting the help that we need and and saying that we need help when things aren't right or we're not feeling right. Exactly.
0: No, I, I like that. It's not for everyone. It's it's not a one standard that you have to take medication to get to recovery everyone's journey is different and um yeah especially forcing upon someone to take medication could hinder their process as well so definitely a good um good point um so we've covered a lot in this in this interview and um i, I guess the one one that i am wondering is what advice would you have for anyone um, that's looking to go into case management
1: um i would say uh do your research on anything you want to get involved in um if it's something that's uh that you're passionate about uh definitely um don't hesitate to uh go ahead and uh, find a company um that offers this uh job as a position um this job and um apply i uh, noted more than, um that you, you're going to have to have uh, at least a, a four-year undergrad deg- um, degree. Um, but the more education you have, the better. And um, it, position-wise, you you may um, qualify for a higher position. But uh, definitely um, get involved in, um, because we have a lot of people who need help. Um, and we need folks who are passionate and really want to help folks. Absolutely, especially
0: having caseworkers interacting directly with clients and playing such an important role in their lives. Such incredible work you do. I'd like to thank our guest, Shondale Preston, for coming in today. For more information on Empower Half an Hour, visit our website under www.empowerhalfanhour.com. And until next time, have a great day, everyone.